So you clinched a playoff spot. Now what? What's next for the Minnesota Wild and what big questions they have yet to answer in the final few games of the season? We discuss today on Locked on Wild. You're locked on Wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Wild your first listen each and every day. Make sure you subscribe for free on YouTube and your favorite podcast platforms so you don't miss out on any new episodes of Locked on Wild. On today's episode of Locked on Wild, we talk about what is next for the Minnesota Wild after they clinched a playoff spot last night against the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll talk about getting Matt Zuccarello going. We'll talk about the special teams. We'll talk about the lineup. All that and more on today's episode. Today's episode is also brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. So the Minnesota Wilds clinched a postseason spot last night despite the loss to the Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, for the 10th time in 11 seasons, the Wild will be in the playoff picture. So what comes next? Well, let's start with the bigger picture items and uh, work our way backwards from there. Obviously, still a lot to be decided in the Central Division. The Central Division champion, uh, Central Division crown is still up for grabs, as right now the Dallas Stars and the Minnesota Wild tied in points. Dallas ahead on the tiebreaker. The Avalanche one point back with a game in hand. And so the biggest question, I think, going forward is who are the Wilds going to play in the postseason? If it were me, my money would be on the Dallas Stars because I think with the fact that Colorado has the additional game, I think they probably have the best chance to vault up the standings and uh, get to the top of the Central Division, which would put them as the one, and then would put either the Wild or the Stars as the two and the three in the Central Division. So... If the Wilds can find a way to win these final few games of the regular season, then uh, they would obviously be the number one seed. And then you're looking at playing the uh, Seattle Kraken as that top wildcard team. There just is a lot of jockeying yet to be done here uh, as the season finishes. And so a lot of these games are still going to matter. You're not going to necessarily have the situation that the Boston Bruins have been in for almost a month now to where they clinched and there's no chance anyone passes them in the standings. So they really have nothing to uh, to play for as, uh, as the season continues to wind on. So they're just resting people at this point. They're moving players in and out of the lineup, trying to make sure everybody's fully healthy so that they're at 100% once the postseason picture rolls on. Uh, that is something that uh, I don't think we'll see much of from the Wild because they still have those opportunities to either win the division or to make sure that they are at very least the two seed as opposed to 
having to go on the road and play uh, the likes of either Dallas or Colorado. Now, looking at the schedule, the Stars do technically have the easiest schedule the rest of the way. They've got one game against a playoff team here the uh, the rest of the way, and that is against the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, beyond that, Colorado playing the San Jose Sharks tonight, so barring something catastrophic for them, which would be nice, uh, the Avalanche will be in first place by the end of the night here tonight. So with everyone, even in the games category, how does this final five games play out of the season is is a huge question mark. And with the Wild having Pittsburgh on the schedule, they take on the Winnipeg Jets, they take on the Nashville Predators, you mix in Chicago and St. Louis as well. It's a stretch that is winnable for sure, and so can the Wild get it done. So of the questions, that's the biggest one yet because – Obviously, depending on who the Wild would match up against, and we'll talk about this a little later in the week in uh, kind of sizing up those matchups against some of the uh, the teams in the Central Division. Obviously, depending on who you play, you may see some lineup tweaks um, that are done by Dean Evason and, uh, and Bill Guerin to try to maximize some of those matchups. You know, we've talked about this with Kevin Gorg after the uh, the last couple of games is that the Wild may go with a particular lineup if they play Colorado and go with a different type of lineup if they play the Dallas Stars. And maybe if they do end up being the team that uh, that rises to the top of the Central Division, then maybe they have another plan uh, in store against the uh, Seattle Kraken. So a lot of different ways and angles to attack that first question mark uh, that has yet to be answered is simply who the heck is going to be uh, on the schedule when the postseason starts just under two weeks from today. So that's that's the big one, and that's the one that you really, I, I don't think, have as much control over as some of the others that we'll talk about uh, here in the uh, the rest of the show, but that is obviously the big one is who's on the postseason schedule, which spot in the division do the uh, the Wild lock up, and let us know in the comments if you have a particular spot you think the Wild end up. Where do you think and why? Do you think they win the division? Second, third, those seem to be the most likely options. So which one do you think the Wild will get? Let us know in the comments, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll see how everybody uh, thinks it'll play out here the rest of the way. So... That's the big one. There are plenty of others, though, and plenty of other things to look at. We'll talk about getting particular parts of the lineup going once again. Matt Zuccarello. As we continue today's episode of Locked on Wild, after a word from our sponsors. Can you remember a time in which buying tickets for an event was a stress-free experience? Whether it be waiting until the day of to go to a Twins game or trying to get tickets to your favorite concert, there is a lot of stress and a lot of hassle with purchasing tickets. But buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. 
Game time is an amazing experience as well with flash deals, last minute tickets. Plus, it makes it easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. With images of seat views and the lowest price guarantee, plus event cancellation protection and other factors as well. Forget planning months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get exclusive deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, plus concerts, comedy, theater, and more. Snag these tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Continuing today's episode of Locked on Wild, once again, thank you for making Locked on Wild your first listen each and every day. For your second listen, make sure you check out the Locked on NHL podcast to get the full lowdown on everything going on throughout the wide world of the NHL as we push towards the postseason. Lockdown NHL, available on YouTube and your favorite podcast platforms, absolutely free of charge. So we talked about who is going to be the team that the Wild play in the postseason. How does that all play out? Other questions yet to be answered as the season rolls on is getting Matt's Zuccarello going. It's been a, a little bit of an adventure for Zuccarello over the uh, the last several games since Kirill Kaprizov uh, went down with injury. And you look at um, his numbers, uh, Bob on YouTube commenting zero goals in the last 10 games. Um, Zuccarello also 0 for 4 in his last four shootout attempts. And he just looks like a guy that clearly does not have the um, the mojo going in the lineup without Kirill there to uh, to assist. Now, Sam Steele in that spot, I thought, uh, helped that line look a little better, but just it was a little bit too clunky and bulky uh, with Marcus Foligno on that top spot. And so, look, at some point, you're not going to be able to replicate the things that Kirill Kaprizov brings to the lineup. But I do find it interesting that Zuccarello, who was second on the team in points by a mile uh, earlier in the season, is now in danger of getting passed by not only Matt Boldy, but also by Jewel Erickson Eck. And so that just kind of goes to show you the uh, the level of um, slump that Zuccarello has been in since Kirill was uh, was injured against the Winnipeg Jets. So a big factor to the Wild's success and what they need to do in the postseason is going to be to get him going again. We've seen this second line with Matt Boldy, Marcus Johansson, and Jewel Eriksson really step up and take the lead in terms of scoring and generating chances and things of that nature. If this team can get both lines operating properly and functioning well, that's going to be a problem for whoever they match up against in the postseason. And so that is just, at this point, one of the uh, the biggest areas of need for this team is getting one of their uh, top uh, one of their top facilitators going up at that top line. And 
I think a lot of that stems from not having Kirill and just trying to um, trying to maybe do a little too much um, as opposed to just kind of playing your role. So Zuccarello is one to really key in and look at when Kirill returns, uh, and it sounds like we're getting closer to that happening because if it's just as simple as putting Kirill back in the lineup and Zuccarello starts to take off again, then that's that's going to be huge for this team and uh, huge to try to stop what we've seen over the last couple of postseasons, Vegas and, uh, and also St. Louis, in which you have just a ton of guys that play big supporting roles that just uh, kind of get completely taken out of the equation uh, by the opponent. So Zuccarello getting back on track is a big one. Special teams as well. That's that's another big question. And we've seen on the po- uh, penalty kill side, we've seen this team really start to uh, get back to where it was on the penalty kill. And you look at it last night against the Golden Knights, and you are having penalty kills in critical spots without some of your top penalty killers. Jared Spurgeon taking that uh, that penalty late in the game that resulted in a Golden Knights power play. Jewel Erickson Eck getting the 2-plus-2 uh, the two two, uh, and ended up spending that time in the box leading to another Golden Knights power play. But the penalty kill really looked good throughout the course of the night uh, against uh, Vegas. So that was encouraging, and that continues a trend uh, that we've seen from this team where I think now they... Um, I think now they're bordering on 13 of their last 13, 14 out of their last 14. Um, a nice stretch for this team after it uh, It seemed as though they were going to give up a power play goal every game. Uh, Golden Knights went 0 for 3 on the power play last night, so that would make the Wild 14 for their last 14. Now, extra attacker... That was a situation, and I didn't get a great look at the goal that the Golden Knights scored to inevitably win the game, but that's a situation, too, where if you get stuck on your end of the ice and you're not able to get the puck out of the zone, that's what will happen. It's just it's, it's a law of averages thing where the longer you get stuck on that side of the ice, the more opportunity the other team has to try to score – and that's exactly what happens. Wild give up the goal with 30 seconds left, and the rest, as they say, is history. But it's it's a learning experience. It's something that you obviously can't have in the postseason. So learn from it now while there are still games to fix it. And uh, just hope that the, uh, the next time you end up getting the clear um, out of the zone that, uh, that leads to you being able to, uh, to hold on for that win. Power play-wise, it's interesting because over the last handful of games, I've thought the power play has looked good movement-wise. They just haven't been able to get the goals to go. Now, John Klingberg scored in last night's game on a nice move from the uh, the top of the zone, creating kind of a natural screen for Bronsois that, uh, that led to like four of his teammates getting lined up directly in front of him. 
So that was good to see. And that's another thing that you trust getting Kirill back in the lineup will be able to help fix uh, because he can be the he can be the go-to guy. We've seen Matt Boldy now be somebody that can step up and take the shots if Kirill is either not there or is drawing a ton of attention. So I'm going to be very intrigued to see how this this special teams unit looks with Kirill back in uh, to see if it just reverts right back to Kirill do everything or if some of those guys like Boldy and and others that have stepped their play up in terms of scoring, if those guys continue to do so to, uh, to try to help take some of that burden off. So that's kind of that next wave of questions that will need to be answered by this team um, in the final few games of the season. Obviously, we have uh, a big couple of questions with the lineup and how that looks. So we'll finish today's episode by taking a look at some of the lineup questions that need to be answered in the final few games of the regular season. That's on the way next here on Locked on Wild. Are you looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories? You have got to give Built Bar a try. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, that's right. 100% real chocolate. They come in some unbelievable flavors too, like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I don't know how Built Bar continues to get this done, but these are their healthiest bars yet. Just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. Best of all is you no longer need to wait for the Built Bar orders to arrive. You can head to your local Walmart or Sam's Club and pick up a box of Built Bars today. Bring them home. You can even eat them in the car on the way back home. If you don't have a Sam's Club or Walmart nearby, fear not. You can still head to Built.com, but whichever way you choose, make sure that you choose Built Bar today. Final segment of today's episode of Locked on Wild. Once again, thanks for making Locked on Wild your first listen each and every day. For your second listen, make sure you check out the Locked on NHL podcast again to get the full lowdown on all the teams pushing for the postseason and uh, what needs to happen for the teams that are on the outside. Locked on NHL, available on YouTube and free on your favorite podcast platforms. So Kirill comes back. Gustav Nyquist gets set to return. What does the lineup look like for the Wild? That is another big question. We talked about that a little bit with Kevin Gorg last night after the uh, game against the Golden Knights. But let's just assume Kirill comes back. He's going back in that top line. You're not gonna you're not gonna slot him anywhere else in that lineup. He goes to that top line left wing spot. So you've got Kaprizov, Hartman, and Zuccarello. And before Kaprizov got hurt, that combination had really started to pick things up again. Hartman starting to become a, a really nice, steady contributor on that line. Um, you got Zuccarello doing his thing. You got Kaprizov doing his thing. So the hope is that that line will pick up where they left off and take that top spot uh, on this wild offense. Second line, you're not going to touch it. Um, just They just continue to be on just an unbelievable heater 
over the uh, the last you know 12, 13, 14 games that they have been put together. So you're not touching that line. Even with Nyquist, who projects as more of a top six guy, I still don't upset the apple cart at this point. Uh, from what I have heard, Nyquist, a guy that can bring some speed, and he brings some scoring touch as well. But honestly, there's not a lot of room in that top six, and so I think what you end up doing is putting Nyquist on the third line with Freddie Goudreau and probably Marcus Foligno. But here's the other thing. We talked about the ability to um, throw some matchups out there to dictate uh, that you would dictate depending on who you're playing. There could be a situation where you end up maybe throwing Brandon Duhame and Gustav Nyquist together with Freddie Goudreau to try to have more of a speed line that can be physical if necessary. But I think what we're going to see if they do play a team in which they have to try to you know, physically wear them down, you're going to likely see Foligno, Goudreau, and Nyquist in that third line. And then fourth line... Especially with Mason Shaw out, I can't find a compelling reason at all to take Connor Dewar or Brandon Duhame out of the lineup. Those guys are too critical to the penalty kill, um, and just they they bring too much of a spark. We saw it with Brandon Duhame last night. Creates the turnover, turns on the afterburners, and uh, and gives the Wild their first goal of the game. You need to keep that element in the lineup just for the fact that you have that as kind of a a card in the back of the deck if needed. Just that quick burst and uh, ability to uh, to take it right to the net. Him and Dewar both have that. Duhame, obviously, one of the fastest players on the team, but uh, Dewar's no slouch either. So I keep those guys together. Beyond that, you really have your pick between um, Reeves, Sunquist, and Sam Steele as to how the rest of the lineup plays out. And again, if you're playing a slower team, a more physical team, then you're probably going to be looking to get Reeves and Sunquist into the lineup. But I, I don't think we will see a set concrete lineup with this team. I think there will be matchups. I think there will be opportunities to get, depending on how games go, I think there will be an opportunity to get new looks, fresh skaters in, uh, those sorts of things. So I think it will be on a game-by-game basis just because of the depth that this team has. The players that they have that have played major roles this season on that bottom six, you're not just gonna you're not just gonna throw those guys to the wolves. So I think they will all play a role. It just may be some guys on game one, some on game two, and so on and so forth. Now the other part of the lineup question is defensively, because your top four is set with Spurgeon Middleton set 
solid top-line pairing. Brodeen and Dumba, and it is interesting because I had this thought during the game last night, and Brett Marshall backed it up um, on Twitter. Dumba and Brodeen, very solid night. I know Dumba got crossed up on the game-tying goal, but beyond that individual play that happened to directly impact the outcome of the game, beyond that, he was solid, I, I thought, and continues a trend of just playing more of a not-going-to-hurt-you style, not going to necessarily do a lot to contribute, but not going to hurt you as much style of defense. And I think that has led to him playing some of his best hockey of the season here at these late stages. The problem is that third-line D pairing. We talked about Alex Goligoski on Monday and having the, like, worst-of-the-worst type game uh, that he had against the Vegas Golden Knights, had just a, an otherworldly bad uh, game, which leads you to believe maybe he's he's getting a little bit on the tired side considering he had played 23 games in a row. So then he sits. You've got John Merrill who has played uh, most of the season. He, he brings physicality. He brings a presence there. But he has shown a tendency to have some lapses defensively. John Klingberg, offensive uh, offensive weapon as a defenseman. But again, he has also had some lapses defensively. And then you have Kalen Addison, who has been on the bench for quite a while um, with uh, those three guys in front of him. And so I think defensively we are going to see this team approach things as they did in the postseason last year. You have Dmitry Kulikov who gets spun around and turned into a pretzel, directly giving up a goal to the St. Louis Blues. He comes out that next game. Maybe didn't do a whole lot um, the rest of the game that was, was positive or negative, but that one play that impacted the um, impacted the the outcome is going to lead to guys riding the pine. And I don't think Matt Dumba's immune to that either, even though he has improved his play over the uh, the last few weeks. I don't think he's immune to that either. So I think you could see those bottom three spots rotated depending on good performances. And okay, you played solid in game one get the opportunity to run it back in game two. But if not, I think we're going to see some mixing and matching to uh, to try to find that right formula because let's lay this out here to finish today's episode. That's what the postseason's all about. Postseason is all about sizing up your opponent and exploiting weaknesses. And if the Wild end up being the road team in a postseason series, you know for a fact it's not something that is disputable, is that the opponent is going to be looking at who's out there on the ice at any given moment and is going to be saying, all right, they've got their third line and their third D pairing out there. Top line, go get them. That's what the postseason is all about. And so the fact that the Wild have depth to be able to mix and match and not get set 
into particular lineups is an asset at this point in the year. And it allows them to, I think, guard against some of those easy-to-exploit situations like we saw last year against the St. Louis Blues where the Wild said, here's the lineup, that's what we're going with, and uh, go ahead and try to stop it. Well, the Blues did. So that's going to be a big one too is how the Wild navigate through the chess match that is a postseason series after what happened last year where you have a two-games-to-one lead, Craig Berube throws the entire thing in a blender. He pulls Huso. He mixes up the lines. He scrambles up the offensive and defensive pairings to get a spark. And the Wild did not counter that in the series last year. And so that is something that they need to guard against here as well. But we're going to have more on the postseason when we get there. We've still got a few games to figure everything out. And so these will be the things that I am looking at most as this season finishes up to uh, see how the Wild will be looking come postseason time in two weeks. That is going to do it for today's episode. So now that your first listen of the day is done, again, make sure you check out the Locked On NHL podcast to get the full lowdown on everything going on throughout the NHL. Lots of teams have clinched. A few, though, are yet to. So make sure that you take a listen to see where everyone is at as the postseason draws ever closer. You can find Lockdown NHL on your favorite podcast platforms and on YouTube as well, just like Lockdown Wild. So follow us on YouTube. Follow us on your favorite podcast platforms. Make sure you follow us on social media as well as we guide you through the rest of the season with new episodes plus pre- and post-game content all week long as part of the Locked On podcast network.